Welcome to the Mastering Retention Podcast, presented by UserWise, where we talk to top mobile game experts about their experiences running successful games. My name is Mike, and I work on the marketing team. This week on Mastering Retention, we have Claire Rosane, User Acquisition Team Lead at Rovio, joining us. She walks us through the best ways to use creative ads to scale your game and get new players. She'll talk about how long your ad should be, what to show in your ad, and how many ad views it should take before your game is downloaded, and much more. We hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to today's episode of the Mastering Retention Podcast. Uh, today, we have Claire Rosane with us, and we're going to be talking about user acquisition, which uh, will be a lot of fun. I think people will just realize how little I actually know about user acquisition by my questions today, but uh, sometimes I find that can be a very fresh perspective as I kind of get curious and dig in and stuff. Um, so this is going to be uh, super, super fun. Uh, Claire, I've been following you and the stuff that you put out for quite a while now. She's got an awesome YouTube channel and she posts really cool things on LinkedIn. So definitely like follow her and, and look out for her videos and like, I love your breakdowns of like different ads and how they kind of get put together and stuff. I I just, it's just awesome. So follow her. But before we dive into everything, Claire, um, I always like to ask like, what's your story? Like, how did you get into games? That's actually a cool, a cool story. Uh, I began because I, I crafted my own game. It was uh, really creepy games. Like uh, I developed some, um, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Actually, I did a crossword. So let's see if I can uh, do some user acquisition in Korea and uh, and also some ad monetization because at the end of the day, let's see if I can get some money uh, as well. And uh, at the end of the day, I just made some money in Korea, which I was very happy about. And I was reinvesting this money uh, on my little application um, until like it get, I think, uh, now uh, <laughs> excluded from the store, but still, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't update my SDKs. Cool. So you started doing your own games, kind of made some money, kind of where, where'd you go from there? Yes. So yeah, I did my own money and then like I was, oh, that's actually really fun. And I've always been playing a lot of uh, games. Like I think it began with, uh, you know, Abu Hotel or those kind of things. So definitely like uh, I always enjoy the feeling you have when you play and you know, like all what you can share with other with gaming like i think it's a it's a really beautiful story for me and i think it went even stronger uh, during the pandemic so the fact i could actually make my work like something i really enjoy i mean it's a pleasure like on a daily basis i'm really happy about it and i love all games so so yeah that's a bit uh, of my story Yeah, I, I love that. No, that that is the best part about getting to work in games. You you're like, well, I gotta do some research. So I'll just, you know, play some games here and stuff. Um <laughs> that's great. Um, so I've got two questions, which are very fun questions that I've found. Um, and I think I'm actually gonna start using them more on the show, but you're gonna be my first guest that I actually use them on. Um, so this will be fun. Um, so the first question is, you know, what are two to three problems that you've been, you know, encountering and that you're actively trying to solve in the next, let's say 12 months? <laughs> Should I say tracking? <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think, I think it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh, an issue everyone gets, but if I take more, uh, the question on a personal level, I think definitely time management, 
Um, you know, like uh, I've been changing a lot of countries and responsibilities as well and so on. And I always try to, to balance uh, my passion I have for video games, my work and also my personal life. And you know, like when you are doing something you really love, I feel it's even more challenging because you really <laughs> want to, to do it like always. But I think um, time showed me that, uh, you know, stepping back and doing something else is something that is really valuable for you, uh, even on a work level. So I try uh, to balance this kind of thing. So time management, I would say. Um, and on a more work uh, level, definitely like, uh, I think uh, keep, keeping open to test anything like innovate and you know like um always learn from each other like it's not uh, you know like it's i think like a lot of people they are like oh i'm an ap game or oh i'm an iaa game or a triple a game like no matter and like you are kind of stuck in your category so me what i like a lot is and i'm learning to do it even better is keep a, a wide view and uh, really like uh, try to learn from from everyone on gaming because I think we all have something to bring basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, so think about that first point that you called out tracking. Is that a solvable problem? Now, I mean, Google's kind of doing this IDFA kind of thing too. Hopefully it'll be a little bit better, but you know, Apple's obviously implemented it. Um, is there any way that we can get to the point where we can have that better tracking and that real, you know, ROI? So I don't think so. You know, I never been someone that has been really... I didn't always really like like deterministic tracking. Uh, I began my journey in dating, which is like kind of a paid user acquisition is working a lot with uh, offline marketing and so on. So I always like, I grew up learning that one feed each other and that's sometimes what you don't track is actually uh, the result of uh, what you can't track. So I think uh, there is no solution, maybe web free. I mean, I don't know, we will see how it goes. Because Web3, like one of the best uh, thing uh, they are saying, I think, is that it's privacy compliance. So I'm I'm looking forward to see like um, if uh, if they can respect the promise. Uh, but no, I think tracking is going to be a, a daily thing that is going to change, and always we are going to have those things. And it's what makes our job exciting. I think, like always, like uh, I think, new way to have a look at the data. And at the end of the day, maybe like in 10 years, we will all be holistic and and UA will just be like, uh, you know, like for everyone, like blended with organic and, and you know, like we will be challenged on this. I mean, I would love to, to be honest, even with cross-platform, I think it's something we see. Oh, you calculate the LTV of your user right now. Like, is it deterministic when you get a new user or is it across a per portfolio? Like, it's changing so much. So I think tracking is... Uh, is uh, something we will never uh, solve, but we will always uh, challenge. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I think it'll be particularly interesting to see how, like, as more games go completely cross-platform too. Like, I know there's been a number of companies that have come up in the last probably like five or 10 years that are, are really oriented towards like that Fortune 500. So it's like the brand tracking of like keeping track of one person when they're on the mobile device and then they're over here and in the store and all, all the different like types of places. And I think it's a real challenge. I don't think anybody solved it. So as we go more cross-platform with games and, and tracking those users, obviously if they're signing into an account, gives you a little bit more, but if you're not doing that, you know, there's other challenges that come with it. Um, cool. Time management. I'm curious, 
you know, do you find that when you do a good job of maybe separating the the work from the life and you're doing some, I don't know what sort of hobbies you have, but like, let's say you go and paint, um, you know, do you find that when you're painting, you ever have like really creative epiphanies that, you know, draw back to work that have been, you know, super enlightening? Yes. So, you know, I've always been this person uh, at school that uh, always hung <laughs> out with people that uh, doesn't look at all like uh, my background and so on. And I think it's really like, um, you know, like, oh, you, you find innovative stuff, like it's by um, going outside of what you know. And actually, it, it makes a good argument on diversity and inclusion, like more diverse, you know, a company is, I, I'm a true believer, more innovativity, because more, you know, you step back and you have several opinions that are not the one you actually have. I think more you can innovate. And I think it's the same with um, with uh, what I shared on on, on time management. I used to be uh, so passionate on my work that I would be only on my work. And I feel like, um, I feel like since I, I got more like a personal life and so on, um, and I share, I'm, for instance, let's say I'm painting and so on. Like right now I'm, I'm running with my dog, for instance, which is super funny. <laughs> <laughs> and it definitely gives me energy, I think, for work. And even if it doesn't fit directly, I would say, the games because so far we didn't made a game with a dog and like a runner you know with a dog maybe it would be funny <laughs> but um I feel like you know it, it really makes me more productive and I think it's really like oh you can stay on the long run on your work and and you know like uh, really stay in it I think you need to balance all the energy like uh, physical mentally and you know like uh, there is so many different energy that you can have from outside of your work. So I will definitely, I mean, you can test and you can learn, like you can tell what about you, what is it for you? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I, I find that when I'm doing things outside of work, I usually have most of my like smart ideas aren't when I'm working per se. It's like when I'm on a walk or at the gym or doing something else, listening to music, it's like comes to me. Um, so that's great. Um, then you, your kind of final point or the problem that you're kind of looking with is, you know, trying to stay open to innovate and, and test kind of anything. Has there ever been a time where you saw something and you didn't test that and innovate on it and, and you maybe should have? Yes, certainly. I think something I was not really sure about, about is... Um, or UX can feed actually user acquisition. And I had some, some questions around it. And more I'm learning like what is UX, more I'm, I'm thinking actually it's something that can really be useful on, on UA and especially on creative. But at the first, you know, I was thinking like, like if you ask people super long survey, like on your creative and so on, like, isn't it a bit like, uh, breaking the flow because at the end of the day like uh, it's super qualitative when on UA it's really often quantitative because you know you have an algorithm that basically is pushing things mm -hmm. so I think this was the last thing where I think I was wrong and I'm learning how it can be sustainable on the US strategy as well because even if you have a creative highly um, user base so I think it's a good beginning but on UA on the other side like you have this uh, problematic where you are targeting wide audience so how can you make the best business case uh, out of it and profitability as well 
So, so, so you're touching on something that I'm, I'm very curious about. Um, and, and I actually just had a conversation about this earlier. So um, one of the first companies that I uh, started, it's still around, but I, I don't really actively run it anymore. Um, it's called Theorem Reach. And we kind of brought uh, rewarded surveys to mobile gaming and stuff. And so we've got a, a, a quite large like audience of people. Uh, you know, gamers and people in different apps and things like that. And essentially it's like, you can take a survey and you get a hundred coins more or less. Um, and we were kind of talking the other day about user acquisition creatives and, and somebody on the, the theorem reach team was pitched the idea of like, well, you know, what if we just enabled UA teams to be able to very quickly upload a creative pick the audience that they want to send it to. And then, you know, we can just give them like a standard set of questions where the audience can kind of watch it and then respond to it and give some feedback about that creative. And I actually said, I don't think that they would do that. Like, why wouldn't you just run the ad on Facebook and like get the exact real data on those players back? I mean, yeah, our, our surveys might be a little bit faster, but don't you want that like quantity or yeah, the quantitative like real feedback directly. Um, so I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, like would a, like, would it make sense to run a survey and ask some users about like this, you know, creative to get that feedback on the qualitative side, or would you just, you know, <laughs> run it on Facebook and, and see what happens? So more, I think, uh, I, I think about it more, I think it makes sense. And especially because I think one of the predictions of 2022, uh, I've read, I don't remember where, is that we are going to go on qualitative audience more that we are, we are going to uh, lose traffic and we are going to seek for really premium audience. So I think knowing at the end of the day what people think is really important. And, um, I think I, I often thought that when you read the comments on the creative, you can have an idea of what people think about your creative. And more I think about it, more I'm, I'm thinking it's not the case. Because actually, maybe people, they, they don't all have around the world, like a feedback culture, for instance. So maybe they won't comment on your creative. And maybe as well, like... Um, and maybe I was well, you are going to have only bad comments because the feedback culture is that only if it's bad, you are going to, <laughs> to comment on it. <laughs> so it's like this. And you will miss basically like what um, your consumer, like the one that likes the ad, think about your ad. So I think it's really important for your creative production to get insight directly from your consumer and not only with KPI like CTR, uh, IPM, and so on, but really... Um, get this kind of persona-led uh, things uh, that uh, UX research is master mastering. So so I think it's it's really important. And uh, and I think for any game, like uh, we, we see even some hyper-causal game that now are wondering like, how oh, can I get psychological insight from my, my user? Because like uh, we know it's emotion, for instance, is something really important in advertising. So no, I think I think we should actually as a UA be turned as well into this kind of, of thing. And I think that's also a way to innovate and, and you know, like not just to, to put all your creative and say, okay, Facebook, go deal with it, right? <laughs> 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 so kind of getting a little bit more into just the, or away from strictly does it perform to, you know, trying to better understand the qualitative of like what part of this ad 
drives the performance or the not performance? And what emotion does this actually elicit? Do you think that that should be done on people maybe outside your app? Or do you think a survey on your existing users showing an ad for the game would make like, I, I, I'm a little bit back and forth between that. Like, yes, I would love to show a ad for my game to my, let's say, whale users or like the folks that I really want to understand, like, does this drive you to get there? But it also might be kind of a jarring or weird survey to give to those players. I don't know. Yes, I think I think it can be useful in your engagement and on getting new users and also on getting a marketability result. Like I used to work on marketability and all what was pre-production, and what we we saw on the KPI it was like CTR test, active test, and so on, like really retention test. All what is really basic, you know. And what if like instead of this, that we call like CTR test, it's a bit like the new focus group. What if what what if instead of this and redirected like only to to some survey and so on, we did it as a BAU campaign? Like if we do it in pre-production, why we are not doing it during all the life cycle of the user? Why once we 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 get like a, like a user, we don't ask him like would he, is he is he likely happy to be re-engaged? Uh, is he happy to be cross-promote and so on? I think like we, we should never forget that the user is really at the center of things. And uh, I feel like, you know, like when you are on pre-production, you are highly on it and then you kind of tend to forget it. So I would love to be honest that we, we keep it in mind. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So let's say I've made, or, or you and me decide to start a new studio. And yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and we've made our first game. Um, let's say we decide I want to innovate on the Wodoku style block puzzle kind of game. I don't know if you ever saw that, but it's, you know, grid based kind of game. Um, and we decide, you know what? I think that there's a large number of users out there that don't like all the ads between every level and they get frustrated and they churn. Maybe this is a very bad idea, but let, let's pretend. And so instead of that, we're going to add little boosters that you can purchase for IAP and we're going to try to subsidize that ad revenue for IAP revenue and, you know, get some high scores, you know, maybe a little live ops or something flavored in there too. So we've made our game. How would we go about starting to test this? Is it ready for soft launch or, you know, coming up with user acquisition to see like, can we actually scale this up? What is our CPI and, and what's our LTV and stuff going to be? So first uh, we are going uh, IAP. So that's a totally different uh, strategy than <laughs> IAA. So I would expect like, you know, you have way more live ops on your games and so on, because when you, you switch our, our strategy, you need as well to have a, a product that is following this. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can make a you can you you can and you have already like on any hypercausal games no no nowadays things that you can purchase. But if you don't have in your game like the added value really to make it uh, to make people purchase and want to to play more and so on, like at the end of the day, I think you need as well the game economy you know uh, of VIP games. But I mean, I trust you. I'm sure you did it well. So I will go with this. And um, once the promise is there, I will definitely, um, you know, like test on everything that you want to do, even prior it's it's uh, published. Like I think, uh, I think you know, like um, now we have this ability in advertising to work directly with Unity developer to even do creative and iterate on the content and so on. 
And I think nowadays, like the content is so important, like outside of the game, but also in the game. So maybe I would say, hey, you know what? Before we switch totally of strategy, uh, what if we, we run some tests uh, on the new booster? Like what is working, what people like, what they don't like, and so on. Um, so we can do some tests, some survey, and so on. And based on the result, then we can we can implement it on the game, which is uh, amazing because I mean, product will want to work with US, so it's like a dream scenario for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> then, um, so we tested it. You, you've put it in the game, and you have some amazing live ops events. So I would say now, like the best USP of the game is the game itself because. You work so much on the level design to make it appealing, to make it with a proper USP and to make it a, a proper IAP game. So I would say, oh, you have a live ops event, so let's advertise on this. Like, let's have uh, the momentum. Let's uh, use it in the creative. Let's uh, use it in the stop page. Let's uh, let's make some noises around this because I'm sure for Valentine's Day, you've put uh, the best Valentine's Day event on the game. So I will try to, to advertise on it. And uh, and then like let's see the cohort evolution at the end of the day. Like I mean, it's always like this. Like you adapt to your game once you see how it goes, and let's see if it paybacks because you made the best game, right? So if it does, then let's invest even more. Let's let's have a look at different channels, different opportunities, and and definitely like I think different channels is important, and it means as well different creative and uh, different audiences and and so on and so on <laughs> <laughs> so um do you think and you talked about some of those like live ops events and things like that and i don't think i've ever seen a game team do that um but i've actually been talking to some folks lately starting to kind of explore some stuff so so user wise my company um, we kind of make a, a live ops platform um, and it, it's really simple and easy to use kind of made for the non-technical people. But then we have this whole portion to make it really easy for the technical people to kind of integrate it in. But once it's integrated in, you can like change things really easily and stuff. Um, it seems like in the more traditional apps, like let's say Tinder, um, their marketing teams really don't spend that much time on like the paid user acquisition their marketing teams spend more time in the apps, more or less trying to like sell the subscription a thousand different ways to the people to try to get them to convert, right? Um, do you think we ever should get to the point where like user acquisition should become a little bit more blended or instead of you owning maybe like the ASO and like the creative style, it should go even deeper. So, you know, as an example, let's say we've got a Disney game. You create a Princess Jasmine ad that maybe goes down, maybe we're, we're doing one of the uh, uh, app store changes. So we've got some Princess Jasmine, you know, ASO oriented stuff there. Then you get in and now you've gone into a platform like UserWise or something internal or whatever. And you say, okay, I'm going to create a segment of players that saw the Princess Jasmine ad. Once they complete the Fatui, I'm going to drop them into this new event that I set up where Princess Jasmine is the thing that we're working towards and I'm going to throw in some like princess dresses and some other things that they can kind of work towards as they're doing that. And, you know, maybe we go a little bit further down the line. So, you know, UA basically has the ability to control the player experience from the first time they saw the ad, maybe up to like day 10, at which point all the players kind of, you know, converge together or whatnot. Does something like that make sense? 
Yeah, I, I love it. And actually, I wish I, I've seen it more on the market. Like when you take someone like Netflix, they are doing those product dynamic optimization based on a user profile. And I would love to see it more on games and it would make so much sense, to be honest, like to have a user experience that is that, that is just um, user-centric from the beginning to, to, to the end. And, and I think it's something that gets such a big added value um, we all want something that is personalized across the market right now, like games, they get more social, but they get also uh, with higher expectation because also like there is a really high competition. So I think definitely like to fit your user should be your first goal. And um, I mean, I also worked on, on CRM and, you know, it's, it's a bit the same of using macro on your um, push notification. So basically uh, you get something that's uh, at least like the user feel like he's considered in your app and this this makes a difference on the CTR rate and this makes a difference then on your retention and I think it's really important. And I mean tell me if you know a game that is doing this right now. I want to I want to see it definitely because it's definitely something we should do, I think, like from UA to 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 the pro, in in app product ex experience to the re-engagement to the cross promo and so on to to get even scoring. Um, you know, like um, market automation and so on. I think it's really important. So please tell me, I'm, I'm listening to you now. <laughs> well, I, I won't say that I know if anyone's actively doing it live right now, but I know there's some folks that are toying around with, with some stuff on our platform. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. But, you know, it, it, to me, I find it fascinating. Like user acquisition controls the spend, but then it's like, as soon as the user is like downloaded, you like hand it off to this other team versus like, letting the UA team go all the way in. And maybe after, you know, grabbing Princess Jasmine, maybe you guys also set up the Princess Pack, you know, starter offer or something for $9.99. You can get all the other princesses, you know, and, you know, maybe if you watch the Simba ad, you have a very different Lion King oriented, you know, experience as you're getting into the, I don't know. So I'm, I'm fascinated by it. We'll, we'll, we'll see, see how things go. Um, yeah, no, that's great. And I think actually right now what is made uh, is a, only around influencer marketing or if you come from TV and things like this. So yeah, I mean, US should be in the mix, actually. Yeah, that's great. Okay, I have some general just like ad kind of questions for you. Um, so let's go back to our uh, Wodoku IAP purchased clone or whatever. Um, so I'm trying to figure out, you know, what sort of ads I should make. Like, does it make sense for me to look at Wodoku ads or Wordscape ads or uh, Block Puzzler or anyone else kind of in that rough genre? I feel like a lot of those ads are IQ based and you see the person <laughs> like make the, make the stupid mistake and it's like, oh, your IQ is, you know... <laughs> whatever. Um, or, or it's like an age-based thing. Like, are, are you young enough still in your mind to, to get there? Um, I see a lot of ads and even within like ad intelligence solutions on like maybe what I see on like app Annie or sensor tower or whatever, it'll show me the competitor ads and I can maybe go to Facebook and see the ads that they're running. But how do I know which of them are actually good and working? And is it possible for me to know like a rough CPI, like, yeah, I'm, I'm curious what your take is on competitor ads and, and understanding the details of those. Yeah, on, on competitor ads, you can definitely check the amount of time it has been live for. But, but I would say like um, 
benchmark is a tricky thing because you need always to do it to be up to date. But uh, should you always be a follower, or should you, uh, <laughs> or should you like innovate in, in your game? You know, like I, I'm a true believer that each game gets its own user experience, and that the product is the best USP of a game. And when you advertise for a game, people they expect as well, you know, like to see what's what's in your game basically. So I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of gameplay creative and. And um, and also iteration on the content in the gameplay creative and and sharing the learning with the product team to see if uh, if uh, mini games or something can can be done. But I think it's always important, of course, to benchmark to to keep also um, seeing what others are doing. But I would say not only from your game category, but also from other category or even uh, verticals like. Uh, too many people, for instance, if you are doing, I don't know, like an idle game, you are going to review only the idle games and do always the same creative. And if, uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm not sure it makes sense. And, you know, I'm thinking about this user scrolling on Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, whatever, um, and seeing always the same ad. I mean, at the first time, like, uh, it's okay, like you convert and so on. But at some point, like maybe Facebook is going to, share more of the same creative because, uh, okay, they read the creative, they saw it's similar to another advertiser that does the same. So uh, let's push it because it worked with uh, the other one. Uh, but at the end of the day, will the, will the user convert again if he already converts with another one uh, or just be bored or, you know, like... Yeah, it's interesting. Do you have any insights or learnings of, of things that you've done or haven't done that have worked out well or not well? Uh, I think um, definitely. So on the creative, I think in, it was when I worked in dating, we used to do only those uh, UGC ads and so on, but always, you know, like uh, are really uh, personal. I mean, they are oriented on, on UGC content. And it was such an obvious thing, you know, that everyone is doing this, like uh, Lohu is doing things, uh, this, like uh, anyone on the market is doing things, this and so on, that no one actually like spoke about the dating cap. And I remember once, one time, like we actually uh, went a bit outside of this and we used some, some content that was more graphic and it actually performed uh, better than what we used to have. So. So I think definitely like uh, until you don't test, you don't learn. So you should definitely, uh, I think, try several things and and just learn from it and also ask your user what they think about it. Like, uh, like you know, like it's it's uh, like the, those COVID ads, like um, like uh, a lot of people, they heavily used it when uh, the pandemic came and a lot of people actually disliked those ads and it was uh, something that they saw like you are using something where... We are we are losing uh, people from our family and so on, and you advertise on it like it's uh, it's a bit uh, not appropriate. And uh, and uh, yeah, actually, like you listen to your user, and then you learn, and then you you test again. Like yeah, that's great. Do you have a north star metric? Like I know some user acquisition teams have lately shifted of like all we care about is IPM or installs per million for folks that don't know that um, or um, all we care about is CPI and then some even get into like more game metrics like LTV, which is a little bit more nebulous now, but, um, or a retention. So you don't have the full tracking, but do you have a North star metric? I like the, um, I mean, it's, it's really personal. I think each and everyone gets several different things, but I like the cost per retention. 
like too often, I think we we saw the cost per installed when actually I think the cost per retention uh, is something that that makes more sense because even when you take the retention percentage, I feel like you know like depending on the amount of users that you have, sometimes it's just uh, I mean it can change so much. Like if you have two users, uh, okay, two they stay uh, super. <laughs> like uh, I mean it's not something scalable, right? And you still have uh, like a great uh, percentage, so. The cost per retention for me is something I really like. Mm, that's that's a that's a good one. Yeah, I know one thing that I kind of naively believed when I was like getting into gaming is that you know I, I'd heard about the okay, you got to make sure that the CPI is less than the LTV, and then you can kind of scale it up. But what I didn't learn or or know right away, which just makes sense, is that like different ads and different days and different countries, you're going to have all these different like CPIs and all those different groups and people might have like different LTVs and stuff. Like you might actually have an ad that has a 25 cent CPI that ends up with a 15 cent LTV. And then you've got this, you know, ad that's got a a dollar CPI and it's got like a $5 LTV or whatnot. And, And there's like all these different things that you have to kind of like track and measure between the two. Uh, which just kind of blew me away. But I think thinking about cost for the retention, because you can't grow your your revenue per user if the users aren't around anymore, right? And how do you keep them retained? So that's, that's great. Um, yeah, and you know, actually, I remember like I used to work in a social casino and like, uh, I mean, you can pay crazy high to have a VIP that at the end of the day is going to stay and monthly spend uh, 10K because it's like a, a gold VIP, right? So, so I think uh, definitely, like you should, uh, when you do user acquisition, uh, I think CPI should not be your your first uh, your, your your first KPI, and and of course it's important because you also have this K factor and so on, but that impacts your organic. But at the end of the day, you need to think as well of the cohort evolution. So I think it's important. Yeah, that's great. Can you tell me a little bit about? your thoughts on ASO um, and how it kind of relates to user acquisition? I love ASO. I'm a big fan of ASO. I think my uh, my skills on ASO are getting uh, weaker because uh, it changes every day. But I think <laughs> ASO is, um, we, without a good ASO, you don't have a good CPI and you don't have a good cost per uh, retention and so on. So ASO is something you need to keep in mind. It's one step uh, before uh, you install, and so many people they are forgetting this, and they they are not enough watching it. I think you should take ASO as a part of your UA. And um, I remember when I was working at Project Manus, ASO was even in the UA team. So amazing! It was Laura that was uh, managing it. So she she is one of the best on this team. And um, and and for us, like it, it was an obvious thing that ASO should be. Uh, made as well by UA. And uh, even I remember when I was working in dating, uh, I also did some ASO. So I think it's something like each UA uh, manager, they should have a training on ASO and uh, and yeah, like uh, get some interest around it. I think it's so important. And, um, you know, like we are even speaking about Webflow now, like adding one page, even pre-orgable on the ASO page. So, I mean, I think it makes the whole thing even even more challenging and even more if you add on Google store, but now you can, um, you can play, you can have those little interactive experience, even pre or you install your game. So 
Yeah, and even if you add uh, on top of this, the playable ads on US, so no, I think ASO is a part of the mix. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Um, so there's some ads that I see um, where it's like, no matter what you do, or if you're like trying to hit the X or whatever, it's like, it'll always pop up the app store. Do you have any experience with those? Like, does that actually work other than just like pissing off the people that are trying to close out of the ad? Definitely. I think some, some network, uh, I'm not going to, to name them, but on re- especially on rewarded videos that are using this, like where first you have to watch the video because it's a rewarded video and you watch actually the video only because you want to reward because you want to finish up your level. And on yep. top of that, like they just redirect you to the store. I'm sorry, but on my side, I just want to leave a one-star review when I'm doing this. So I think you should definitely uh, pay attention to those network and and uh, and give feedback as well to those network because I think it's super bad for your user experience and and I think also it can affect your 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 score um, your rating on the store and so it can actually impact your ranking. I think on the on the long term. So. I think always be mindful with the spam ad because I think it's not, even for your brain, right? It's not something like your brain is not going to be associated with something positive because you are just showing an ad saying, hello, it's me, I'm this game and so on. And then you have like uh, the worst experience that you can have. And uh, even if you install the game at the end of the day, you're just going to be, okay, I just began with something bad and I just can't. I sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, you actually bring up something very interesting. Like when I think about, and so I, I usually come from the monetization side. So when I think about where do I put those like rewarded video placements midway through an event or whatnot is really great from a monetization perspective because a user I feel like is almost discouraged from downloading the game because I just want to get back and like finish the thing that I'm doing. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like an interruption. Um, thinking about that from the UA side, like, does that negatively affect performance and something you want to try to avoid showing your ads in those types of placements? Yeah, I mean, uh, you can't you can't avoid those placements, but definitely you see it like when you have these rewarded data are put like next to the nearly missed uh, level, like you see that at the end of the day, uh, I mean, you don't have your install. So uh, I would love the ad network actually to let me the opportunity to decide at which level um, I can target uh, on rewarded video. Because mm-hmm. if I target your user that is level uh, 100, that is a super active user that never played in your game and uh, always uh, leveled up with uh, rewarded video, uh, I don't see, I mean, I, I get really uh, low chances to basically get, uh, get my installs. Like if your user is so much into your game and just want to, to level up at the end of the day. So, Definitely, that's, uh, I think product uh, is making it uh, super hard on us. Um, better is the product team, more, more hard it is for the UA team and the rewarded uh, video side, I think. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I want to start an ad network now. No, not really. Um, <laughs> okay, I've got a number of different uh, kind of quick fire questions I'm going to run through with you because we're almost out of time here. What's your take in your experience with the length of the creative? You know, sometimes you've got like a six second video or, or five second and like an interstitial versus like the 30 second or 45 second. Like, do you find different things have different places? Some work better than others or? Yeah, so um, definitely like on the video, you don't really have the choice. It's 30. 
30 seconds. Uh, on Facebook for long, it was like the, the shorter, the better. And now the thing is that you have videos that are going also like uh, at the beginning of playable ads. So I think it's definitely something to challenge based on your placement. And uh, on TikTok, I'm seeing a lot of long videos as well. I mean, you can make it quite long and, you know, like also on all the branding uh, video right now, it's getting super long, especially on YouTube. And it's performing as well. So definitely on your length, I think iterate on it and, and see what performs the best on the specific channel because it's, it's changing a lot, I think, uh, platform, platform, platform. So I, I feel like there's different types of moments to show in your ad. Like sometimes you might show like a, you're watching somebody and then they fail and you're like, oh, you're an idiot. I am better than that. Or sometimes like you see them succeed and it looks really fun or, or different other things. Do you find that there's any lessons learned or recommendations that you have around the types of moments that you have, or do you just test everything? Like, what's your take on on those? So I think your first three seconds are really important, uh, and um, following your completion rate as well. Like uh, on this specific channel, at the end of the day, when is coming the key messaging, and when people are actually not watching your video, if you have your key messaging at the end, and no one is watching. Uh, 100% uh, it's going to be tricky. So, so usually when you have a creative, it's important to, 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 you know, like, um, get a str- something really appealing, a strong mechanic, uh, something that is, uh, you know, like your booster, the amazing booster we spoke about for your puzzle. Basically, I would make it appear at the beginning. And, um, and yeah, I think uh, you need to be good at the beginning in order to keep your user uh, until the end of your video. So, I will bet on the beginning of my video, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So here's an interesting one. Do you know, or does it change or vary, but like how many ad views does it take to get a player to actually download the game? So it depends on the channel and on your game as well. So, you know, actually it takes a lot. And that's why we, we, you know, like we are charged at CPM at the end of the day. It's because so many people are seeing actually our ads and that's why it's important to have good creative because so many people are seeing it. And it's also, to some extent, something that is brand related. So, um, I mean, UA is also showing so to so many people some content. So it needs also to be careful about the creative. And uh, I mean, I, I remember I, I used to do some creative. It, it was really funny. Like, for instance, once again in dating, we used to, to get a, a creative. And, um, and basically it was something that, uh, we figured out it was actually someone, uh, that we met in one of our events because, uh, dating used to use a real profile picture, uh, to advertise. Uh, so thanks to GDPR. Now it's not allowed. Thank you. <laughs> but at the time it was. So imagine you, 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 one day by another, you see your, your head on creative, like it's terrible, like, your, your, uh, like your Tinder is spending like, uh, I'm, I'm saying Tinder, but any dating <laughs> app, any dating app is spending million on your head. Like it's, it's crazy. And, and you know, like you are the new head of the brand. So, so definitely I would say be careful with what you put on your property because definitely a lot of people are seeing it and you have a lot of advice. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, um, of the ads that you see, do you find, is it a, a combination of like, like Royal Match? They've got so many different ads running all the time. Like, do you find that it's effective to like hit people with like 
different versions of different ads. And then it's finally like, oh, I've been seeing this everywhere. I should get it. Or like, is it the same ad over and over that, you know, gets there or a little bit of a combination of the two? Yeah, Royal Match is a really funny and interesting one because, you know, like uh, they are doing really what we, we spoke about, like about this, uh, the game is the best USP, so they are doing a lot of gameplay video. But at the same time, at the beginning of the month, I saw creatives they are just, uh, that looks a lot like a Metacore ad. So I think that creative strategy is really interesting. Um, and I'm interested to see how it evolves because, you know, like they use the 3D character with, uh, you know, like uh, the same wording as the, the ad that you had on Metacore and so on. So, um, so, so no, I think it's, it's fun. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to see how it goes. But, uh, but I think uh, Royal Match is an interesting one to follow. Um, but once again, I'm not super fan of following the, the other. I prefer like to, to have a look of my game and, uh, and advertise on my own USB because I think, uh, I mean, at Rovio, at least we have really amazing games and, mm-hmm. and we have a strong, strong USB as well. So, so I prefer yeah. to focus on my games rather than the others. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, cool. Final question. Um, here, what's your take on kind of user acquisition for other genres? So like, let's say you're, you're working on, I don't know, Angry Birds 2 or something. Or, well, let's not use a Rovio example, but um, well, let's pretend you're working on Clash of Clans. And, you know, are there lessons and things that you can learn from a puzzle genre like Royal Match that you can take back and apply to your user acquisition or, you know, should you shy away from that because it's two very different audiences and they're going to respond to different things? No, I think definitely like one one genre ad should fit the other and especially on the VFXFX. Uh, you know, like uh, all the games, they are also like answering uh, several trigger. Like you have uh, such a science that is behind the games, right? You're not just uh, doing content, you also have all uh, thinking behind it. And I think you should use it uh, in in any game category. And anyway, it doesn't make sense, I think, nowadays to speak about game category because when you have a look at Cosual games, now it's all ma- mixed match. Uh, when you look at Hypercosual, it's all mixed match as well. And you have um, idle battle royale games. You have some, uh, I mean, it's all changed and it's all changing so much and so fast that if you focus only on, uh, on your... Um, Slim shot game, for instance, like you are going to to miss out something. And you know, like for instance, if you take the example of uh, of Playrix, like they are using a lot of uh, other games, um, genre uh, ex- user experience in their game, but they put in the mini games. And I think this is really smart, and this is really like pushing even more like the stickiness that you can have on the game. And I think it's really well done. So, so no, I would say like uh, always be open and and play whatever you can, if you like to play, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay. Um, since we are in the Mastering Retention Podcast, I always like to ask, you know, what's one tip or trick or lesson you've kind of learned over the years to increase retention? Like, how do you keep players playing for longer? So it might be hard to say because of uh, iOS 14, but uh, <laughs> I would say you beyond each game. <laughs> and I, I, I think, you know, I was uh, reading a study that was saying that it's actually cheaper to re-engage a user rather than getting uh, a, a new user sometimes and sometimes even more profitable. So I think I, I still believe that 
re-engagement re is something to, to follow. And not because, uh, and, and from any page you have, but also um, push notification, uh, email as well, and all what is uh, CRM, CRM oriented. That's great. Cool. Well, Claire, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, if people do have any questions or want to get in contact with you, is there a good way for them to do that? Yes. So you can um, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, so it's Claire Rosin and uh, he's ready. I, I accept everyone and uh, always happy to speak. <laughs> Love it. All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.